Welcome to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. I'm Molly, a former skeptic turned full-time energy healer and teacher. And I'm Madison, a born and raised witch running my family's crystal shop. And we're here to explore all things woo through the lens of both science and spirituality so that you can find the moments of magic in your everyday life and create an intentional spiritual practice. So if that's what you're into, find a cozy spot, take a deep breath, and let's demystify some magic. Howdy doody. Hi there. How you doing? I am so good. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. Truth be told, this is the second episode we are recording in one day. So I know first time doing this. If we get silly on this one, this is why. Yeah, it's because we've run out of things to talk about that are within the normal scope of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the analogies get sillier. You know why. But yeah, we didn't want to wait to record this one because it's a topic that's been on our mind for a while and it's how to deal with skepticism. Now, Madison, you and I both experience skepticism in different ways, right? Like you get skeptics who come to the store. I often, I will get skeptics who approach me on like social media or whatever, but a lot of the time when I'm talking about dealing with skeptics, I'm trying to support my Reiki training students when their loved ones or family members or whoever are kind of not really on board with their Reiki practice and talking with them about how they can sort of even either move on from that or talk to their their loved one about it. So I think it's going to be a cool way for us to kind of approach both of those sides, whether it's skepticism from someone you know, you're emotionally invested in, or someone who you're not. Yeah, I am very lucky in that I grew up this way. And so my mom probably had to deal with a lot more of the skepticism from the people in our lives that are very close to us. Whereas Mm -hmm. for me, it's mostly meeting new people and people who come into the store where I experience a lot of skepticism. And so I'm interested to see our different perspectives and how we support people and how we support ourselves in dealing with skepticism because we experience such different, different avenues. I will say seeing it in person, skepticism from people who don't know me also having a store in a deeply religious community like ours, the levels of skepticism that you experience, they're very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I experienced more skepticism from like people I know and care about because I was a skeptic for a long time. And so especially the people who've been in my life for a long time, it's kind of like this 180 of like, what, what, wait, what are you doing? What are you doing now? Why Mm -hmm. are you doing that now? Because I held that skeptic belief for so long. So trying to uh, kind of communicate that while, you know, also maintaining those relationships has been, it's been fun. If fun were a different word. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine reckoning skeptic Molly with Reiki Master Molly because I've only ever known Reiki Master Molly. I would love to just talk to skeptic Molly for like 10 minutes to be like, who are you? How are you? What's going on there? Yeah. Who's going to tell her? (laughs) Me too. Me too. Ah, I look back and I'm just like, who was she? Not herself. I'll say that. But before we dive into it, Madison, what was your magic moment of the week? Okay. So you might've heard me mention my relatively new boyfriend on the podcast. We have had so many bonkers town moments of synchronicity, of so many people who he knows having these like really important experiences to me in the store. 
And I thought we had another one happen the other day where he was having dinner with his family and his aunt was there. And she told him that, to take it back about six months ago, there was this couple who came in with their son. He's like a toddler. I'm not sure exactly how old, but they did our Create a Spell Candle workshop, which is where you come and you like make your own scent and you dress your own candle like our spell candles that we have in the store but it's like much larger it's 17 ounces versus eight ounces and it's really fun my mom and I lead it every time and it's like the very best time Mm -hmm. and there was this couple who came in with their young son and the three of them made one candle together and they ended up staying like late after everyone else had finished because it was like three of them making one candle and I spent a lot of time with them talking to them they were the most wonderful couple. And I'll be honest, I like often come into a, like I, I slip into a place of judgment when people bring young kids because I struggle with young kids and being helpful in like doing my job. And so when they came in, I had a lot of anxiety about working with them. And by the time they left, like we took a photo together, the four of us, like I cried Aww. with how sweet they were to me. They were so wonderful. This was about six months ago, probably. And Saturday night, my boyfriend was having dinner with his family and his aunt showed him that photo because she had been at one of her good friend's house, apparently talking about me, (laughs) telling her that her nephew was dating someone and that she had this store. And it was, it was the mom who pulled out the candle and sent her the photo who then she showed it to Drew, my boyfriend. I don't think I've ever been, sorry, Drew, named Drew. <laughs> but I was out with some of my friends and I just started crying. Aww. It was so wild because like I haven't seen them in quite a while, but we genuinely still talk about them and their son like once a week in the store and how lovely Aww. they were. And so to have like that weird connection and also I was like, what a what a wonderful like <laughs> what a wonderful way to like make a good impression on your new boyfriend's family to have a complete stranger pull up a photo of you and their son on their phone and be like oh yeah we loved her she's so nice oh i love that it was so great and this is like the third or fourth time that someone who he knows has been in the store or been to the store. We even found out that his mom has been seeing a medium who reads in the store for like quite a while. It's just like so weird and divine connection, like, or divine intervention was what I meant by that. (laughs) That was what I meant to say. So weird and like divine intervention and like just wonderful little reminders from the universe that feel so good and nice. I love that. Aww, cute. (laughs) what was your magic moment mine is not as tender (laughs) mine is another weird one this one's like as out of left field as the time I quoted Batman in my magical moment oh I can't wait (laughs) so I I really believe that one of the ways that the universe speaks to me is through books because I go through phases where I'm obsessed with books and phases where I can't be bothered to read books last night I got the itch to read a book that I had started reading like three months ago and then put down, never picked up again. Okay. It's called The Book of Eels. Mm-hmm. It's not, not a spirituality book. I actually explicitly read An this. An actual book about eels? It's about eels. 
<laughs> I told you, left field. I explicitly wanted to read this book because I thought it had nothing to do with spirituality and I felt like I needed a break from spiritual books. However, last night I pick up the book to the page that I had stopped reading three months ago, completely forgot about this book. And the essentially this, um, we I don't know if you knew this, but we don't know how eels are created. <laughs> no no i didn't know that yeah like we like scientists can't tell what do you if, what do you mean <laughs> scientists can't tell if they have reproductive organs or if they give birth via eggs or if they give live birth or if they are just like duplicated like we don't know we've never seen what do you them. mean <laughs> what do you mean i'm so sorry to break this news to you but we've never been able to get them to reproduce in captivity and we've never witnessed an eel reproduce and so for hundreds of years scientists and different philosophers have been trying to figure out this mystery of eels <laughs> and 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 what the hell are they we don't know we don't even know if they're technically can be considered fish <laughs> i wish this was a video podcast because your face is so good right me now me too <laughs> and so, this is our new podcast about eels where we figure out the two of us how they reproduce because I can't live like this. Okay, so I've always loved this about eels because I just feel like it gives so much possibility to spirituality, right? Like anytime my skeptic brain is like, oh, how the fuck could that work? And there's no like good answer. I'm always, I always come back to, well, we don't know how eels reproduce and yet there's more of them every year. And in this book, on the page that I had opened to, it compares this like conundrum with eels to the idea of metaphysics, which I had never actually read like the definition of metaphysics. But this says it's a branch of philosophy that is concerned with what exists outside or beyond objective nature, beyond what we can observe and describe with the help of our senses. And to me, it just like, I always feel like metaphysics, metaphysical practices, whatever, understanding that we'll never understand eels just creates so much potential for what we as humans are capable of. It's like anytime I feel like, oh, I could never do that. It's like, well, eels can reproduce and we don't even know how. Does that mean that eels are considered metaphysics? It's like trying to understand eels is metaphysics is my understanding from this. So anyways, oh my God. I've always oh my felt God. like whenever I feel like I've tapped my potential and I'm like, oh, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I could reach that goal. I'm always, I always come back to this, like this idea of like metaphysics. It's like anything is possible. Basically, we don't have to fully understand it to be capable of it happening. And then here's the wildest part. Okay. In my book, I like go to grab the bookmark that I have in it. And I pull it out and there's actually two pieces of paper. One of them is a blank note card. The other one is a card from your store, Madison, the ones that you give away with orders. And it says, I am capable of anything I put my mind to. Oh, <laughs> that is tender. And so I read this passage. I had this realization that like if eels can reproduce and we don't know how, then like literally anything is fucking possible. And then I had that card just like fall out of the book immediately after. Oh my God. Okay. So for context, we give these little cardstock cards. They look like tarot cards. We call them intention cards with messages. We give them like if you come into the store and buy something you like pull one from a pile 
if you place an online order, it just like we choose one for you and put it in your order. And so that just came. So you've just been using that as a bookmark? Yeah, I use them as bookmarks and I f- and didn't realize what it said. Yeah. That is so tender. Uh, anyways, oh I like I read that and I was like, oh, I guess this is a spirituality book after all. Yeah. <laughs> Anything's a spirituality book in my brain. Eels are witches. Eels are witches. Eels are witches. And yet we don't burn them at the stake. So you can use that as your argument for skeptics. Episode over. <laughs> and that's our podcast. <laughs> Cue the outro. Uh, if you want to support the show, we have two options that you could do that right now. So the first one, you can go to The Healing Hedgewitch. We'll put the website down below. That's Madison's shop. And any order right now, if you use the code MAGIC, you can add a set of tea lights into your order for free. These are great. There's some for love, abundance, clarity. There's a whole bunch of them. They're incredible. They make an incredible gift set, but also are really good for setting an intention for your own practice. And then you get one of those cute little intention cards with the two that you can use as a bookmark and surprise yourself with two months later. Another way you can support the show is by joining Reiki One, the science of self-healing. This is Molly's Reiki One training. Doors are officially open and will be for a few more days. This is a training that I've literally taken twice. That's how much I love it. Learn how to bring Reiki into your daily life. Use it to heal yourself. This is something that I used to ease my chronic migraines. It's an incredible training with an incredible level of support. You'll also be added to a community that you have access to for the rest of forever. You have access to Molly for the rest of forever. That makes it worth it in itself, in my opinion. This is how I forced Molly to be my friend. So if that's not reason enough to join, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to it live, you have a few more days to register. Otherwise, uh, the wait list will be down below too if you want to get on the list for next time. All right, let's get into it. So first, I think we're going to talk a little bit about how to handle skeptics who you know and love and respect. Yeah, this one's arguably harder, right? I don't know. I always think it's harder. I feel like this comes up a lot in my new students like who come through Reiki training when they graduate that's almost always a question I get asked within the first couple of weeks of training wrapping I'll get an email from someone to be like how do I do with this because it can create a lot of imposter syndrome in your own practice and in yourself if you have people who you love and respect and care about asking questions or sort of imposing their own beliefs or skepticism on what you just learned and you're excited about Yeah, this is also something that we see people talk about at our gatherings. We have a lot of people who come because they don't experience that level of support Mm -hmm. from the people around them. And I think that's like a really difficult thing that I feel very lucky to not have to deal with a ton. Mm -hmm. You know, all the people close in my life have either watched me be raised this way or raised me this way. Yeah. Yeah. And as you just mentioned the gatherings, it just reminded me how important community support is right like I feel like that's something you and I both value in our respective businesses is like creating space whether it's an online community whether it's an in-person community that people can have that support because you're right like not everyone has it in their life I definitely didn't really have it growing up um and didn't yeah when I started like my journey with Reiki it was very much like everyone I knew was kind of like you're what Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're in the Tampa Bay area and you don't feel like you have that community, please come on down to the Healing Hedgewitch. But if that's not something that's available to you, join Reiki One for it. But 
<laughs> join Reiki One or find a place close by that does a physical gathering. If yeah. you have any metaphysical stores nearby, that's a big piece of advice that I have for people who have a lot of skeptics in their personal lives is find a group of people who are like you that you can see even if it's like once a month mm-hmm. yeah, and connect with that way. Yeah. And I always describe skepticism as there's two paths you can take when you're a skeptic, right? There's the judgmental skeptic, which is like the people who are like, this is bullshit and nothing you say could change my mind and I'm just going to, you know, make you feel like shit about it and I'm not even going to listen to what you say, right? And then there's the path of curiosity, which I feel like a lot of us walk before we become full believers of a practice or believers in what we do. And that's the path where you're like, I'm not really sure about this. I don't really know if I'm on board, but I'm willing to explore. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to see if it will work for me. And so I think there's a very different approach to a curious skeptic than there is with a judgmental skeptic. And when it comes to someone you care about, someone you, a loved one, right? Like friend, family, whatever. When they're a judgmental skeptic, that becomes a tiger to your brain, right? We've talked at length about how your brain, when it thinks it's being chased by a tiger, it goes into this fight, flight, freeze response, this survival response. And there's actually a fourth response that can come up when we're faced with judgment from a loved one and and our brain thinks we're being chased by a tiger in that moment. And that's the fawn response. And so I, I thought it would be helpful to give like an example so that you can start to clock for yourself when you're heading into one of these responses because the, the recognition of it is can help diffuse it a little bit. And that diffusion is where you can choose a different response. So if you have someone who's a skeptic, say you have someone who's like, oh, you really believe in that, right? The fight response might show up as like, of course I do. What are you, an asshole? Right? Like you just want to argue with them. The flight response can show up as like trying to get out of the conversation in whatever way possible. So you're like, oh, I, um, my phone's ringing or like I got to go and you just like slip out as soon as possible. The freeze response can show up as like not knowing what to say and you're just like, uh, 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 like deer in the headlights. And then the fawn response is like when we try to appease the tiger. And that's when we're like, even if we don't believe it, we're like, yeah, I know it's kind of silly. I'm really just doing it because like so-and-so told me to. I don't really know if I'm like into it or not, but you know how so-and-so is, right? Mm-hmm. And so any of these responses can come up when when we're faced with a judgmental skeptic. And the thing about these responses is they're they're that survival response, right? They're not the only way to respond. But when we just slip into one of these responses, what happens is we either open the door to confrontation or it forces us to abandon a piece of ourselves, right? Because when we start to say like, oh, no, I don't really believe in that. There's like a part of you that's like deflated, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think so much of our, the goal of this spiritual practice is like to come home to self and be one with self and really make peace with all parts of ourselves. At least that's a goal that I see and hold. <laughs> and so in order to protect your peace... When faced with this judgmental skeptic, this is an affirmation that I use to this day. I learned from one of my teachers in my yoga teacher training the first time our class was going to teach publicly. She gave us this affirmation and I, I hold it like armor when I'm faced with skepticism. 
I, Madison, have I told you this before? I don't think so. Okay. So the affirmation, write this down if you want, is I have nothing to prove and nothing to defend. I'm simply a soul sharing. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to defend. I am simply a soul sharing. Yeah. And so like when you're faced with this judgment, it's this moment of like, I usually will take a breath and recite that to myself inwardly. And and I'm going to tell you like how to put this in practice. So I had last fall, I do I do this like event once a year that I see the same people year after year, but I don't see them outside of this event. I'm being vague because I don't want to call anyone out. <laughs> But it's like one of those where it's like we're we're friendly acquaintances, but like I don't know these people beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had like kind of like a wrap up party, and one of the the people came over to me and was like, "Oh, Molly, I checked out your website," and I was like, "Oh, cool, thanks." And they were like, "Yeah, Reiki, you really believe in that?" Ugh. And my instant, my immediate reaction was like fire. Right, I felt this heat mm-hmm. flood my cheeks, and I was just like. Okay, how am I going to face this? How am I gonna, how am I either going to get him on board or like show him that he's wrong, you know? But then I just took mm-hmm. a deep breath. I was like, okay, I have nothing to prove, nothing to defend, just a soul sharing here. And I just smiled. And I just gave it this beat of silence. And I just said, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. With no agenda behind it, nothing to prove, nothing to defend, just sharing right? I don't care what this person believes. And he completely like his face went from this like snarky, you know, I told you so kind of face to just soft. And he was like, well, that's great. I'm really happy for you. And he just walked away. That was it. Like completely diffuses the situation. I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to dive into the science. I don't have to dive into all the ways that it's helped me and my students and everything else. It's just, yeah, I do. I love that. And then just stand my ground. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking more about like, especially as you go through fight, flight, freeze or fawn, where I realized the different areas of my life in which I do each of those things. I think that's an important Mm -hmm. thing to notice too is like, so a good example for me was dating. Dating as someone who owns a store for witches in small town Florida, <laughs> some some might say that was a difficult experience, <laughs> and I very quickly and easily slid into fawn when mm-hmm. specifically when talking to men, because I date people of all genders, women easy peasy lemon squeezy, yeah, but you get a lot of that response from a man in that environment. In my experience. I got a lot of that, I guess I should say. And even after all these years of like feeling really confident and comfortable in what I do and what my life looks like, and even knowing that like someone who responds that way to my job is not going to be a good partner for me, I still slide into that or slid into that. I have to convince them that I'm normal. Yeah. Whereas like with a sort of stranger like that experience that you had I have that same sort of fire feeling of like oh I'm gonna show this guy <laughs> you know and so I think finding the different places in the different like walks or the different areas of your life in which you slide into each response that's also a good way to kind of be prepared 
and Mm -hmm. keeping that affirmation in your back pocket and be like, okay, this is how I often behave when faced with skepticism in this environment. Mm -hmm. Here's my tool that I have. And going into it with that knowledge, I think makes it easier to, to clock what you're doing. Yeah. And I also just want to validate that the reason we go into those responses is because of our survival wiring, right? Like when you're on Mm -hmm. a date with a strange man, you are going to go into the fawn response more likely because you've been programmed that like women are supposed to be submissive, men are supposed to be dominant. Mm -hmm. And like also Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like themes of violence and like we want to avoid that when we're around strange men. And it's like so a lot of that wiring is in us. And so I I share this with you not not to create shame if you can't come out of that fight, flight, freeze, fawn Mm -hmm. response. But to validate for you that they're they're valid responses. They're they're literally mm-hmm. the way that you're wired, and it takes yeah. some time and practice to recognize them, reassure the tiger in your brain that you're not in immediate danger, and choose a mm-hmm. different response. And yeah. I mean, if all you do is take a breath before you respond, that's huge, right? Because that breath creates enough space for you to decide which option you'd like to choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your brain is wired that way because they work. They work yeah. at avoiding the tiger. They work at avoiding the embarrassment or the violence or whatever it is that you're afraid of in that moment, whatever your brain is afraid of in that moment. You have those responses because historically they get you out of that situation. And so yeah. there's no shame in any of those responses if you've done them in the past or if you do them tomorrow and sometimes they're really valid right like I when Mm -hmm. I was um believe it or not when I was a sexual assault advocate I got a lot of skepticism about my job which was wild I remember going really yeah bonkers I remember going to a reunion at my college campus and I was at like one of the bars and this dude came up to me and asked me what I did and I was like oh I I work with survivors of sexual violence and he was like (laughs) Don't all those women just make it up? Oh, God. And I literally, I chose the fight that's response. A, yeah, that's a correct my, fight response. <laughs> there's no other response. You took a breath and you chose. I said to him, now, kind sir, I can either let you rewrite that sentence to say something different, or I'm happy to educate you on how wrong you are. You get to decide. <laughs> Mom took a breath and said, you choose. Yeah. I was like, "Uh, you choose which violence you want right now, my sir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's like, it's, but, but it's like having that choice, right? And especially when it's a loved one that is sort of approaching you with skepticism. I I mean, I would say if it's someone that cares about you and it's someone that you care about, that skepticism is not coming from a bad place. It's not coming from a place where they want you to feel bad. It might be coming from a place of like their own beliefs are being challenged mm-hmm. or they're feeling worried or they're feeling afraid or they want to make sure that you're okay. And yeah. so just that recognition of like, I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to defend anything. Like I, they don't have to believe what you believe in order for you to be, you know, connected still. And so like just recognizing that in your system and if they are coming at you with the intention of like making you feel like shit then like that might be an opportunity to reevaluate that relationship reevaluate <laughs> reevaluate 
reevaluate. That's the word. You want to you do that sentence again? I don't know. Perfect. All right. <laughs> yeah. And I think it can create space for a larger conversation because odds are, if that's the case, it's not the only area of your life in which that behavior is coming up, you know? Yeah. I talk to a lot of people who are experiencing this skepticism from their loved ones and almost always it's coming from a place of love and a place of care. Even like I said, we're in a deeply religious community. I talk to a lot of people who have very religious families who see what we do at the store as something dangerous and something harmful. Mm. I think it's important too to for a minute, put yourself in that position of imagine you saw your loved one doing something that you firmly, deep to your core, believed was dangerous, even if you were wrong. Yeah. Having that level of empathy for that, even if the behavior is something that you won't accept and you don't have to accept, I found that coming to it with that place of empathy makes it easier for me to assert my boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. How do you deal with skepticism at the store? Because it's often not people that you necessarily know, right? Yeah. So I think my first piece of advice for dealing with skepticism from a stranger, I have a very specific experience in that most of the strangers that I deal with are people who are like coming into my place of business and, you know, there is a level of seeking to understand there. Mm. But if the person that you're talking to doesn't have that level of I want to understand or like a genuine question. I think the most important thing that you can do is make peace with being misunderstood. Yeah. Especially with someone where there's no stakes, right? Like you're never going to see this person again, most likely. What they think of you is none of your business. That's my affirmation. What this person thinks of me (laughs) is none of my business. My second affirmation is the block button is free to use. Yes. I love that one as well. Because there are people, even people who come into the store, who like do just think it's like fun and funny to make fun of what they think is silly. And so they'll ask questions that they don't really want answers to. And mm-hmm. I can I can kind of suss that out pretty easily. It doesn't happen very often, but it used to really, really get to me to have to like quote unquote have to engage with someone who very clearly thought I was stupid Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to create that piece and how you create it is kind of up to you I had to create it kind of through exposure therapy Mm -hmm. you know there's like there's no way to own a business and not like spiritually emotionally own and embody that business yeah and the longer you do that the more it does become easy and okay you know like I heard recently someone tell me that they, when we opened the store, people were worried that a demonic presence had like come to our town and that like something needed to be done about this demonic presence. I learned that yesterday. (laughs) Um, And if I had heard that when we opened, it would have wrecked me and destroyed me. And I would have like done everything in my power to find whoever said that so I could explain to them that we are not a demonic entity Mm -hmm. that we're just like a a mom and a daughter who like crystals and you know maybe have some beliefs that you probably find strange but like we're not doing like you know we're not taking your kids we're not you know whatever but even most of the time people who come in and have that kind of fear are still coming from a place of curiosity I did have someone a long long time ago come in and genuinely ask if we were satanic Mm-hmm. and still bought something like I think it was like a greeting card but I said no we're not you know 
because what else can you say? Like, what else is there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you asked a yes or no question. And she just was like, okay, and moved on and picked up her greeting card and went home. That was very hard for me in the beginning of mm-hmm. not knowing what she thought after that conversation, not knowing if she believed me, mm-hmm. not knowing, you know, not knowing if those people are still out there believing that we're a demonic presence in their town. Mm-hmm. That piece is the most important part. I don't think I was really able to have a clear cut conversation with someone about why I believe the things in the store work, why I believe that crystals work, why I believe the spell candles I make work Mm -hmm. until I was able to have the acceptance that like what I say might not be received and that's okay. Yeah. Like this person might leave the store and still think crystals are stupid And like, that's none of my business. I had someone tell me once that people-pleasing tendencies are manipulative by nature and it changed Mm -hmm. my life because like ultimately when we're we're trying to be liked by everyone, we're trying to control how someone else feels. And like Mm -hmm. many of us who are drawn to spiritual practices, we want other people to feel empowered and like they have agency Mm -hmm. over their life. And so to meet that intention, we have to kind of let go of what other people think of us and just Mm -hmm. operate on our own path. And that, that is like a practice in and of itself. Uh Uh-huh. And it's something that I still have to practice. I still get that like kind of nervous feeling in my tummy. Even if it's not someone I'm talking to, if I hear someone ask somebody else that level of question or give that level Mm -hmm. of skepticism to someone in the store, I, I have the same thing where I'm like, okay, am I going to go out there and like defend whatever employee is out there, you know, be their knight in shining armor, even though they can all handle themselves mm-hmm. and are adults, who, yeah. you know, don't need me to like white knight it. Mm-hmm. Or am I going to run away and put my headphones on so I don't have to listen? Or am I going to just take a deep breath and say, it's what happens and it yeah. has no bearing on my life and it also has no bearing on theirs. Yeah. And move on. So that's the first step is making that peace. But if I am met with someone in the store or outside of the store, I don't meet a ton of people who don't know and respect what I do for a living, but I still like I still meet new people all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I meet someone that is genuinely seeking to understand, here are the three ways that I will explain essentially how magic works. Mm Mm-hmm to someone in a way that can meet all levels of belief. Hit me with them. The first way, I'll start like most normie. Okay. And I'll move into like the witchcraft shit. I love it. (laughs) So one of the most common things that I get from someone who is a skeptic, both curious and not curious, is it's just the placebo effect, Mm -hmm. which is honestly, that's the best thing you can say to me in the store (laughs) because maybe the placebo effect is called the placebo effect because it has an effect on people. Yeah. And so if someone meets me from that place, I meet them at the, I don't really care how it works. I just know that it works for me. And so if it is the placebo effect, give it to me. Yeah. It works because I say it does. And if that's all it is, then I'm happy with that. I'm happy at that base level. And I think that confuses a lot of 
skeptics, especially judgmental skeptics. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're dealing with someone who is trying to like upend you and make you a little nervous and make you a little uncomfortable to be unexpected, to give an answer that they are not, they're waiting for the most witchy of the answers. They're waiting for, you know, the, the crystal speaks to me and it tells me what it's doing and, you know, whatever, not giving them that it almost opens their brain up to be more receptive. Yeah. I love the placebo effect argument because I get this a lot in Reiki and we actually have a whole section of the training where I talk about the placebo effect and we talk about like the different studies that prove Reiki is more effective than a placebo effect, even on rats, by the way, it's been proven to be more effective than placebo forms of Reiki, which is cool. That's an aside. So cool. But the thing about the placebo effect is it's only used as a weapon when we're talking about spirituality. In modern medicine, the placebo effect is used all the time. Did you know that if a doctor gives you a diagnosis and a treatment plan in a way that conveys confidence, you are more likely to heal from that than if you had the same diagnosis, Mm -hmm. same treatment plan from a doctor who said, it might be this, we're not sure, we'll try it. That confidence Mm -hmm. is a placebo effect, but we would never go to a doctor and say, hey, stop, stop being confident to your patients because it's a placebo. Exactly. (laughs) Meditation, cognitive behavioral therapy, both are more effective when the person doing it believes it will work for them. Like the Mm -hmm. placebo effect just proves how fucking powerful our brains are. Exactly. Like that's magic to me. That's magic. Exactly, that's to me. exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> is that the placebo effect is essentially witchcraft. Like it's intention. Yes. Yes. It's just repackaged. It's just with a different name and often with a condescending tone. Yeah. But it's not used condescendingly in modern medicine. It's like literally exactly. used mm-hmm. as a treatment method. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next level, right? We're gonna stay in the science brain a little bit. I love it. I love it already. This specifically, crystals are a very easy a very easy example to use. This is also this applies to our spell candles. This applies to essential oils. All of us like anything that you could use in a spiritual practice, all of these apply. So if it's not the placebo effect and it's not witchcraft, you're creating a connection in your brain between that item and your desired intention. Mm-hmm. So Let's talk, let's use rose quartz for an example. If you want to use rose quartz to bring love into your life, every time you look at that rose quartz, you're going to think about that intention. You're going to see it more in the world. You're going to find it more in the world because it's the same reason that when you start thinking about buying a car, you see that car everywhere. Mm -hmm. Your reticular activating system of your brain. Uh Uh-huh. That's the one. I knew you'd have the name for it. (laughs) Can always count on you. So it's still working. It's still giving you the desired end result. It's just through that connection in your brain. Yeah. I keep a piece of fluorite on my desk. I look at it when I want to focus. Is it working because the placebo effect? Is it working because I think it'll work? Is it working because it's serving as a reminder? I don't know. It's working. I feel more focused when it's around. Yeah, the reticular activating system is so cool. I can't remember if we've talked about it on the pod yet before, but it's basically like a filtration system for your brain. So like if you, you know, for the car analogy that you mentioned, it's like if I was going to go 
by a gray Prius and I was in like research mode. All of a sudden I'm driving around. I see gray Priuses everywhere. It's not that there's more Mm -hmm. gray Priuses on the road. It's just that my brain is filtering out information based on what I believe, based on what I'm looking for. And so that can apply to like intention as well. This is why intention works. It's because you give your reticular activating system something to focus on. So it's like all of a sudden now you start to see it everywhere. You start to see yourself Mm -hmm. more focused and then you assign that meaning to the crystal. And then it's like strengthened every time you reconnect those dots. Mm -hmm. So that's one that I'll kind of build up to after the placebo effect if we're still talking, you know? Mm -hmm. And then at this point... I'll often give the witchiest of answers in my like my grand finale of like, here's all the different ways that this could work. Here's what a lot of people in here believe, but also here's what a lot of people in here don't believe. A lot of people are working with those other two. And that is the idea that, again, we'll go with that rose quartz, the idea that all things have a vibration, right? We know that's true mm-hmm. because all of the atoms in everything are moving constantly. So feelings and intentions and emotions also have vibrations. Mm -hmm. The idea is that we've learned that rose quartz vibrates at the same level that love does in our body. Mm -hmm. So when we bring that rose quartz close to us, it's bringing our vibration closer to that vibration, to the vibration of love, and therefore allowing us to attract it. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the idea for everything in spell work, right? Like... If you've ever read a quote-unquote spell book or something that's, you know, like an encyclopedia of herbs, it'll tell you rosemary is great for protection and cleansing. The idea there is that it's vibrating at that level. Mm -hmm. And so when you match that with your vibration, it's bringing your vibration to that protective, that protected state. When you combine those together, that's how spell work happens. That's how it works. Yeah. And something I think is really helpful, like if you're sitting here listening and you're like nervous about encountering skeptics is starting to do a deeper dive into why you believe what you believe, right? Like what Mm -hmm. evidence do you have? What evidence do you feel like you need? Because I feel like some of the, the, at least I'll speak for myself, I don't get nervous around skeptics anymore because like I can dive into the science. I could reference, you know, case studies and um, double blind controlled studies and placebo controlled studies, like all the live long day. Like I could recite those out of my ass. Mm -hmm. I've got bookmarks on my phone. I'm ready to pull up screenshots, you know, (laughs) like I could, I could explain this all the live long day, but it's because I teach it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I'm ready. I'm like, I have that in my back pocket to be ready, but before I understood the science inside and out the way that I do, I would get nervous around skeptics because I'd I'd get nervous that I would be asked a question that I had never asked myself and I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to answer. And I was, I was nervous at that time that that would shake my own belief. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons why. Yes. Oh, that is such a good point. Yeah. That was one of the reasons why when I started teaching Reiki, the emphasis is so much on the science because whether you are in the woo and like believe it works and don't don't care how it works un, or if you're a curious skeptic yourself understanding the science what's happening physiologically emotionally energetically in your body it gives you this backpack of confidence in your own ability to do the practice but also in your way to explain it to other people 
So when you are faced with that skepticism, you know, I have nothing to defend. I have nothing to prove. I know my beliefs inside and out. And I've got I've got what I need that my belief is unshakable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the science really helps with that. Yeah, I think that like strong, I don't know how else to put it, but like that strong sense of self. Yeah. That like strong self-understanding and self-belief where it's like, you know, I'd be interested to know you have all of the studies, you have all of the screenshots. How often do you actually pull them out? Because you know. Never, absolutely never, never. Exactly. I've never done uh-huh. it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever would go through all three ways that I believe, like, because the truth is I believe these three ways are how it all works I think they're all working together Mm -hmm. and that's how you know that's how I create magic that's that's why I do spell work that's why I use our spell candles that's why I have crystals is because I think all three of those things are working together in perfect harmony Mm -hmm. I could probably count on one hand how many times I've like really made it through a whole conversation being like it could be this or it could be this or it could be this or it could be this yeah and like when I have it has often come from a place of that needing to prove myself Mm mm-hmm so really what we're doing here in this episode is we've um, a little bit backdoored you. <laughs> this is information that's important for you to have. You never, ever have to use it to defend if you don't want to. Yeah. yeah. You never have to give it to anyone. It's just opening more doors for you for how this could be working in your life so you can have a strong sense of belief. That's how you deal with skeptics. Yeah. The firmer the foundation, the less likely the storm will take the tree down. You're so good with a metaphor. I just made that up. That just came out of nowhere. <laughs> it was excellent. I loved it. <laughs> and on that note, that was perfect. That was such a perfect little such a good ending. wrap up. All right. Well, I know. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any other questions on how to deal with skeptics, our DMs are always open. All of our links will be in the show notes and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Demystify Magic with Molly and Madison. If you want to learn more about us, you can find all our links in the show notes. We'd love to know what you think of today's episode. So drop us a review or give us a shout out on social media. And don't forget to let us know your magical moment of the week. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.